Right. Hello and welcome. My name is Shelby Cook. I am a programmer and the editor-in-chief at Film East. And today I'm joined by my fellow programmers, Neve Brook, Sara Lapanova, and Alex Smith, to discuss the substance that keeps us all going, food, and in particular, food and film. Um, this segment is part of Film East, a Norwich-based young film programmers group supported by Real Connections and the Film Hub Southeast. So to just give you um, a little bit of background before we get into our discussion um, of food and film, um, just wanted to point out that we're going to be focusing specifically on Studio Ghibli films. So in case anyone listening isn't familiar with Studio Ghibli, it is a uh, Japanese animation studio, um, more commonly known as anime. And it was founded by director Heo Mizazaki in 1988. The studio's first film and probably one of the most recognizable is My Neighbor Totoro. it also has had some other highly successful features such as Spirited Away, Ponyo, Castle in the Sky, and Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, Mizuzaki is pretty much the figurehead at Ghibli, so you can sort of think of him as the Walt Disney of Ghibli. Um, and he is the mind behind a lot of their most popular films. So in particular with our discussion today, we're going to be focusing mostly on Mizuzaki's films. Um, so there's a lot of themes that run throughout Ghibli films and a lot of them that repeat throughout the different features. Um, Sort a lot of the plot follows something magical that's going to happen to someone um, seemingly average, or um, a magical person enters into a seemingly average world. Um, the protagonists are typically young girls, um, with other women serving as prominent roles within the narrative. Um, I would like to really contrast this to Disney in particular, as in the um, girls that are in Ghibli films are a lot different from Disney princesses as they are more absur- assertive and they really serve their own destiny. Um, the themes of Ghibli movies deal with quite dark subject matters um, such as death, war, climate change, pollution, ageism, um, all the while putting it in a way that is easily under- um, understood by anyone watching, so either children watching the um, animated features or the adults as well. Um, there's always, uh, Ghibli films always feature really lovely creatures and mystical worlds that play a major part in the story and is really what the studio is known for. Uh, but a major recurring motif in Miyazaki's films is the appearance of food. So fans of Ghibli films um, have dinner parties featuring food in the films. Online creators will make videos and write articles about the food. Um, and you can see in popular YouTube channels such as Binging with Babish or BuzzFeed Tasty, they have done episodes teaching you how to make the food from the film. So essentially what we're going to do today is we're going to break down some of the most memorable appearances of food um, in Miyazaki's Ghibli films and what kind of purpose they serve within the narrative. So just to start off on um, giving the listeners some idea of some of the appearances of food, what was everyone's most memorable appearance of food um, in a Ghibli film? So I know, for instance, mine, um, Spirited Away, for instance, is really quite a big narrative that focuses on food. So there's a lot of references to food and spirited away. Um, and I think one that we always talk about is the um, rice balls when um, the main protagonist is giving um, some rice balls to eat to make her feel better. And then she just breaks down and starts crying into um, her food, which I think we can all, we've all been there. <laughs> I always remember from spirited away again, the parents kind of gorging themselves and I know Spiritual Away is a very like it has a lot larger themes and food are kind of sort of linked to that but it's the sort of the use of 
food is like gluttonous and like overwhelming it's really well done and it's kind of grotesque to watch that scene that's the one that always sticks with me when I think about food and Ghibli that, yeah. that grotesque kind of thing um I always think of when there's the monster in the bath and literally everyone in the bathhouse is carrying trays and trays and trays of food to him and initially it's like oh that looks delicious but you see it like on the floor thrown to the side and it just it, it kind of takes on this disgusting too much mm. appearance which is really strange because usually in these films the food looks beautiful yeah I agree with all of those I think for me um this is the first time I've watched Ponyo so I've watched Ponyo in preparation for recording this podcast and uh I just really love the like childish like love of ham that Ponyo has um because she feels just so a human I guess and it's so new to her and she's so excited by it um and because she's so little um I think they're only supposed to be about four years old um yeah I think that really comes through when she kind of randomly screams ham like <laughs> just throughout the film and it makes me giggle and yeah it's quite nostalgic I think for when you love something so much when you're when you're a child um, and it's usually you know it's not this gorgeously prepared like food that you would eat now as an adult and it's more just like just really random bits of food like ham and or ketchup or something you know. So with these sort of appearances we've sort of touched on this a little bit but what do you think is this what serves for these foods so what's why do they reoccur um in these narratives. So Ghibli films, just to give people some background, aren't movies about food. I think the one that really has the, the strongest narrative link to food would be Spirited Away because um, like Neve said, the parents eat this buffet and then that sort of is the catalyst to the events within the film. Um, but each film really takes the time to slow down the story and to show these characters either preparing or consuming or really bonding over food. Um, you know what um sorry what you were just saying about Ponyo what really makes her become human and want to be human is when she eats the ham for the first time and that sort of wakes her up and um so does anyone have any thoughts about why that feels so special in these films and sort of what purpose they serve um in telling a narrative well I think that they're used as a device to stop the narrative altogether and it puts the audience and the characters in the film in a position where you're just sat there almost taking in the events of the day, breathing, thinking and digesting what's happened. It's like when you're at the dinner table with your, <laughs> not in front of the TV like usual, but if you're at the dinner table with your family and they say, so what did you do today? It's a time to reflect and think and be in the moment rather than thinking about where the narrative is going next. I also think it's a chance to like humanize characters because mm. in a lot of films, especially animated films, you're always like, well, do they need to go to the loo? Like, do they need a wee? Like, aren't they hungry? And like seeing them, especially in Howl's Moving Castle, where they take the time you see her preparing the breakfast and it looks like gorgeous, like, you, God, you really want that eggs and bacon. And you see it and they sit and they eat together. And it is just sort of, they're not these sort of, they're not animated characters, they're human beings eating and then living their lives like it's a really clever way to get you to connect and like empathize with the characters yeah I also think it's quite a really subtle way of telling you more about the characters lives 
without showing you so much. So they use food to show you background of the of the characters. Like for example, in my neighbor Totoro, um, you see the the older daughter like making food all on her own, um, and that kind of shows you know she's really fast and nimble with it. She knows what she's doing, which shows you that she's been doing it for a while. And then you find out that her mum's in hospital, so you know that's the reason behind that. Um, and then Kiki's delivery service when Kiki's really upset that she might have to eat pancakes forever um, if she doesn't get her business off the ground um, and that's such a like adultish worry to have but you know she's a witch in training so she kind of has to worry about that kind of thing but it's a really subtle way of of telling you about that uh, free the food yeah it's the they serve such a beautiful purpose of developing characters without you really having to think so hard about developing the characters. So you learn so much about all of the characters just by the way that they interact with like mealtime and the way that they interact with the foods and the sort of emotion that they have around it. Um, one of the things I was watching Spirited Away and one of the things I was thinking about was comparing it to other animation films. And so when I think about Disney films, it's the poison apple that is sort of this main figurehead for food within Disney films and it's very toxic and poisonous and it's this very negative bad thing to happen to the characters if they were to bite into the poison apple. Um, so it's very much a contrast to where in Ghibli films, yes, the food is kind of serves this purpose of being very gluttonous, especially in Spirited Away, um, but it's also like in Ponyo when the mom just makes the ramen for um, Ponyo and the little boy. Um, and, you know, uh, Panyo's so stoked. She's so happy on being able to eat the ham in the ramen. Um, and I just think that's a really interesting comparison between perhaps we could look at it from a cultural perspective of how Americans treat food versus how, say, Japanese cultures or Asian cultures treat food. Um, one of the other things going on that same sort of idea, um, if you can think of some other references to foods in movies. So like Neve, you kind of touched on this. You're like, you don't really see people eating in movies, um, especially in like, I. this is so random, but I always think about Twilight when she's like, um, Bella's eating that like one celery stick or whatever. <laughs> it's like, that's all she eats the entire movie. Um, and so like, but in like in American films, you never see people eat. So is that like, do you think that sort of serves as a, a way of like acknowledging how American culture deals with food and relates to food because like if you think about Italian films so Fellini was put a lot of food in his movies as well um, and obviously Fellini is very well known for saying that life is a combination of magic and pasta so pasta is obviously really important um, to him and to his films um, I didn't know if anyone had any other thoughts on that it's one of those things that before you like propose this pod like this podcast I never thought about it it's never something I thought about but you just saying that I'm like Oh my god, yeah, that's a really good point. And it is so interesting that, especially with American film, you don't really see a lot of people eating. And if they are eating, it's kind of, you know, pushing something around a plate and then they get up and leave quickly because something's happening. It's never really an important moment for all the... I think that's a really interesting point. The only... <laughs> Speaking of Disney again, the only thing I can ever think of to do with food is the Be Our Guest sequence, but even then oh, it's yeah. not really her. She never actually gets a chance to mm. eat. So... No, I think that's a really interesting point. I, maybe, oh. No, go ahead, Alex. Well, maybe um, the way American cinema treats film is 
and this is from an outsider, not someone from America. Um, maybe that's a reflection of kind of the go, go, go attitude in America. Like that there's never really time to stop or rest unless you're essentially wealthy and have the privilege to. If you don't have that, you have to keep going because life isn't going to stop and let you breathe. So maybe the film is, re American films is kind of reflecting that lifestyle and mindset. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I was trying to think as you guys were talking, I was like, oh, what film's going to think of where food's like quite prevalent, um, specifically like uh, American films. And all that came to mind was just those, you know, those scenes in Broncoms you have where there's always a, a lady in really fancy clothes running with a takeaway coffee. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's that kind of like, uh, and that's all that would come to my mind is just takeaway coffee <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to any actual food scenes. Yeah, I kind of, when I was thinking about this, I was like, it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to relate it automatically to like eating disorders in America, whether it be overeating, undereating, um, or just having a weird relationship with food. But like, that is, uh, it's so strange that like something that, especially American culture is so consumed by media and visual um, images that like never seeing people eat is just like such a weird thing where in these you know, anime in particular, anime food is always really prevalent in um, any sort of animation, it's not just Ghibli. Um, so, you know, obviously it really much, rep very much represents how important food is to their culture of being able to bring people together and having those moments to slow down and enjoy your meal. Um, just before we even started recording this, everyone was eating their dinner and having, you know, a nice time relaxing from the day, um, enjoying their dinner. So it was just, it's just such a nice, little like way of connecting with a culture that seems so far away um and then but it's actually you know it is very human whereas you know you don't really understand why american movies people don't eat don't eat it them. I mean, it makes them very fictional well kind of going off you shelby and you sarah when i think about america and american food my mind automatically goes to takeout mm. and like fast food which in its name it's fast you get it down and then you move on but if I were to think about France or Italy, I, I imagine, I know it's very stereotypical, but I imagine a grandma taking her time and lovingly slowly preparing food. And so perhaps that's another reason why you just don't see it in America, in American films, because that's not the typical association. Like you, you wouldn't think to stop. Hmm. Yeah. And it's just from an American perspective, it's just not part of our like culture. Cause a lot of times we don't, eat at home like eating out like like you said fast food and going to restaurants is more is what a lot of Americans do rather than sitting at home and making their own food and preparing it like it's not this very wholesome thing like it is in some other countries and different cultures um so I think I'm just going to wrap that up there we're getting towards the end um, of the time so I really hope you enjoyed our brief discussion today um, if you are interested in learning more about Studio Ghibli films, you can visit our website to read our article on food and film, as well as other articles related to the topic. Um, if you are interested in contributing to our film and television blog, you can visit film-east.com forward slash submissions for more information. To learn more about Film East and the Young Film Programmers, you can visit our website, film-east.com, or visit us on any of our social medias. That's at films with an S underscore East. Again, we're Film East, a Norwich-based young film programming group supported by Real Connections and part of Film Hub Southeast and the BFI Fan Network.